powerful content podcast, your go-to source for content creation, strategy, and business inspiration. I'm your host, Mel Daniels, content strategist, coach, and speaker, empowering women across the globe to grow their business with powerful content that connects, nurtures, and converts. So if you're ready to create standout content that gets you noticed and remembered or build an aligned audience who love you and are ready to buy from you, you're in the right place. I believe that content has the power to connect us all. It's up to you how you use it. Listen in for genuine and insightful chats with guests, as well as practical tools and strategies from me. It's so lovely to have you here. Let's dive into the show. Hello, hello, beautiful people, and welcome to episode 11 of the Powerful Content Podcast. Today, I have the gorgeous, the amazing Beck Hughes with me. Beck is a brand creator and creative business coach. She loves clever creativity and is driven to improve, challenge, invent, and create amazing and sometimes unexpected outcomes. She's a lover of coffee and ultra dark chocolate, obsessed with animal print, which I never knew about you, Beck, and renovation shows, and a total dog lover. Beck works with freelance designers, solo creatives and designers to grow and thrive, as well as business owners about to embark on creative projects like a rebrand or website build. Ultimately, Beck gives creatives and clients alike the tools and insight to make confident decisions for their brand and business. Welcome to the episode, Beck. Thanks, Mel. Oh, you did very well there. There's a, there was a lot to get through. <laughs> there certainly was because you are an amazing, accomplished woman. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. So first important question, your favorite renovation show? Oh, my goodness. Easily the blog. Oh, really? Do you know, Easily. I love DIY SOS. Have you ever watched that one? I have watched that one. And I probably used to watch that. This, my favorite renovation shows are probably reflective of where I am in my own renovation journey. So I loved the DIY ones when I was like just doing little DIY projects, you know, patching things together when we rented. And now I just, the block, the block has been sort of evolved with me because it used to be really <laughs> DIY and now it's gone really large scale renovation projects. So now it's definitely the block. And I love it that there's just a bit of controversy thrown in, in the background as well. Controversy makes the show hundred percent, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. Now I introduced you in this episode, Beck, but would you like to give the Beck version of what you do? Well, you did a lovely job, Mel. <laughs> but look, what I do, the way I like to describe myself is joining the dots between creative and business. And what that's meant for me is that I work with really two broad groups of people. So I'm a business coach to creatives. So as a creative myself and having built my business for the last seven years, but before that worked in creative businesses, I love to work with other creatives to help them become more businessy in their creative mm -hmm. lives, if that makes sense. So I think creatives are amazing at doing the design piece, but I also love to help them bring more client management, process, money management into their business so they can get better returns. But also then the flip side is I'm a creative coach for businesses. So I think there is so much opportunity in harnessing creat creativity or design as business owners, using creative supply as well, 
but sometimes there's a bit of a disconnect. So I love working with businesses to help them get better results and better returns from that investment. So let's talk about that for a second then, Beck. How can we, as business owners, obviously we can't do everything. We can't do it all. We try to. We often try to. And that includes the creative side of it as well. But obviously there's things like, um, you know, foundational things like your website and your brand that we really do need help with. How do we go about finding the right person to actually work with when it comes to those elements or those creative parts of our own businesses? I think for me, just backtracking slightly, I think there are some brilliant tools out there for business owners now like Canva. Mm -hmm. And you can really get a lot of traction DIYing your creative. But I also think that sometimes business owners jump straight to that Canva solution before they've gone through a rigorous process with a creative professional. So very often you see that what's being produced isn't ownable. It's maybe not as polished as it could be because they didn't set good foundations with a creative. So whether that be a graphic designer who's helped them build their brand, a web developer who's built a really robust website that they can then add and change. So I think it's, for me, there's real power in working with outsourced creatives and it's got a time and a place. So I do think that businesses should have and be able to DIY their creativity or their Mm -hmm. creative, but off the base of really good foundations. So that's the first thing. In terms of choosing creative suppliers, I think there are a couple of things. Um, An important one is is chemistry. I think Mm -hmm. sometimes that gets overlooked. So very often the first thing we do when we want to find someone is it will go and look for recommendations We might ask in Facebook groups and we'll get recommendations from people we don't even know. And those people that are recommended may well have done an amazing job for that person. Hmm. But there also has to be a good fit between you and that other person. So, yes, they may have great creative portfolio. They may have come recommended. But just finding out if you've got that chemistry, if this is someone you're going to be able to work with, I think is really important. And, you know, it's different strokes for different folks. You've got to find someone that you fit well with. So I think that's an important one. And then the creative proof is important. You know, looking at have they got a portfolio that that looks to me like something I want to achieve? Can they demonstrate results? Do they have good references? All of those things, you know, checking those boxes as well is important. Yeah, 100%. Now, I love how you've said that we really should see if they fit with us. Um, I think that a lot of us don't do that enough in business. We get recommendations, like you said, in Facebook. We, get, you know, we, we put the post up and say, oh, who can do this without actually diving deeper into whether we feel like they have very similar values to us or whether we um, have the same kind of beliefs as well. So I guess to kind of get the gist of how you might fit with someone, would you recommend, you know, following them on the, the socials, perhaps even joining their email list and maybe, I don't know, a discovery call? The discovery call all the way. Like not Because not all creatives are really active on things like socials. You can't always get a sense of someone just from looking at their website or jumping on their socials. I think creatives are particularly bad at showing themselves on socials, which is a complete whole other podcast about how we hide ourselves behind our creativity. So for me, it really is about that personal connection. So taking the time and I'll come back to the renovation kind of analogy, if you like, you wouldn't engage a builder to build a house without asking them lots of questions. 
about what they've done before, how they're going to do it, what their experience is, what their qualifications are. So I think for business owners, don't be afraid to ask questions, get under the skin. You know, how would you solve this creative problem for me? And what is your approach? And who else have you worked with? And what parallels can you draw? Of course, every creative solution is different, but don't be afraid to ask questions of that person because you'll get a real sense of who they are. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, they need to also figure out if you're the type of person that they want to work with as well, I guess, you know, whether you are at the right stage of business, whether you are going to be a right fit for them, whether the work that you want done, they can actually do. So it's like a two-way process anyway. I think a lot of us feel a little bit scared to jump onto a discovery call. And this is not just in the creative industry, but any industry at all, because we think we're going to be sold to when that's not really the case, the discovery call is all about that discovery to see if you are that that perfect fit with each other. Yeah, it's, I mean, it is a lot like dating, isn't it? It's kind of finding yes. out what, what you saw on the Tinder profile. Is that really what's going on? <laughs> Very true. I love that analogy as well. Now, I know, Beck, that you have got an amazing framework that we can actually use to look at that outsourcing process and making sure that we are actually getting the most from our investment because sometimes it is a big investment, especially if you're in that startup phase. It can seem like a lot of money. Well worth the money, can I just add in there? But um, I think that, um, yeah, if we were looking to actually get the most of our investment, what kind of things should we be looking at? Look, I think, first of all, making creative investments is really, really important. It can create huge value in your business. And as you said, Mel, it is a little bit scary. Any yeah. kind of spending any kind of money is a little bit scary. But for me, I think it's fundamental. It's really important. I think creative is one of those things where we've been told that we should be able to DIY all of this. But actually, that's not necessarily the case. So over time and working myself with with clients and also seeing my clients and others getting disappointed in the results they get from their creative, I've thought about what is the framework? What are the ingredients that go into getting that good result? Yes. And loving a good anagram. What I've got is the epic outsourcing model, which is a really good way to remember what this is all about, but also this a great is, word. This, this is epic with a couple of extra C's. This is epic. Let's walk us through the epic framework, please, Beck. Look, the first thing is the E, the expectations. Being clear, I think that's somewhere that people really, really struggle, where business owners struggle, is being really clear on what their expectations are for the project. What do you want to achieve? What does success look like? And I think being really clear and also just being really clear, well, I wanted to build a show it website, but this person's now building me a WordPress website. How did that happen? Mm. Being really clear on the big outcomes, what, what does success look like, but also some of the mechanics of what you expect in your hot little hands at the end of this project is really, really important. Yeah, because otherwise we're going to end up disappointed, right? Yeah, and I think... potentially. It sounds like a really obvious one, but it's it's the kind of conversation that doesn't always go on. Mm. And sometimes creatives aren't necessarily brilliant at being really detailed in their proposals and, and setting expectations and managing expectations. Right. So with all of these things, there is this sort of meeting in the middle. 
Mm. Both sides have got a responsibility. Awesome. So that's around the expectations and what we really want to get out of the relationship at the end of it so we can make sure that we get what we want out of it and also the creative for the person that we're working with can actually get what they want out of the project as well. So what's the next step? So the next step is planning, the P. And, and that really is understanding what are the steps we need to go through to get to that outcome. So we've kind of decided what success looks like, but now what's the journey going to be to get there? So some of that is about timeline management. What are, the, what are the milestones going to be? What are the deliverables going to be along the way? And really just understanding what this project is going to look like. So when is it going to end? What am I going to get at the end of it? But what are all the steps along the way? And when we hit certain milestones, what are the timeline expectations for that? I think that's often where things break down. Well, I thought I was going to have the first draft two weeks ago, but I didn't necessarily share that information it wasn't in the project plan so mm. some of that planning up front is really important mm. I think both of these two letters so far the expectations of planning can really apply to any part of our business as well can't they I love, I'm loving this so making sure that you're up front you know what you're actually going to deliver but then um, giving that timeline and the expectations around when things are going to be delivered and when you can expect the exchange of money as well I think is a really big one as well you know some yeah. people think oh, I shouldn't have to pay until the very end. But if it's a really long project, then that's, you know, you've got to compensate the creative along the way as well, most definitely. But that's like any piece of work as well. So I love how we can actually bring them to our own businesses as well. So that's the E, the P. What's the I in Epic? The I is insight. And for me as a brand consultant, doing a lot of brand strategy work with clients, this for me is so central. And this is all about insight. And really understanding the strategic driver behind the project and then setting the strategic compass. So understanding, doing the strategic work first. Many creatives do this, but maybe they do it in their own heads or in the background and they don't share it with you. Right. Or this would be one of the, with the watch outs, I would say, when you're choosing a creative partner, is there a strategic element? Is there robustness in their process? To, to be really clear on what the strategic outcomes are. What do we need to achieve? What's the problem that we're solving here? So it might not just be that, well, I want to rebrand because I just don't like that logo anymore. Or my mother-in-law said that it just doesn't suit me anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's not a strategic reason. Having a strategic reason, I've evolved in my business. It no longer fits with me. It no longer connects with how my audience have, has evolved. And these are the reasons why. Having that insight, that strategic clarity is really important yeah, because then you know what problem you're solving and you've also got a good touchstone to go back to. Did this project solve that problem? Yeah. Great. I love that. And I love how you mentioned about evolving as well, because we do as business owners evolve and we do as, um, you know, business owners having it and a particular audience that often changes over time as well. So we need to make sure that we are, um, our creatives are on top of that whole evolution process as well. Okay, let's dive into the C's. The CCCs, the cuckoo's. Look, for me, epic outsourcing really is one of the key things in that is communication. So being really 
good with the communication. And again, all of these things are a two-way street. And this is where, for me, this joining of the dots is so important because responsibility comes from both sides. And when it comes to communication, I think a key thing for a business owner when you're outsourcing is to be really honest. Don't hold back. You know, don't, if there's a niggle that this isn't going well or it's not, it's not quite right, just be honest and, and speak up about it. Keep communication simple and keep it constructive. And this is a really big thing for me. And it's something I talk about a lot is giving good feedback in, in a creative process. And I think very often we default to learned language in a way, things like, well, I just don't like it. I'll know it when I see it or it's just not quite right, or can we make it bigger? Can we make it smaller? And we start to get very executional or very obtuse, which is not constructive. And I think it challenging yourself to give feedback that, that comes back to that insight, actually. So when you give feedback, give it in the context of why it does or doesn't meet and deliver on the insight, which was the problem we're trying to fix. And when you can do that in your communication, and when you can be honest and you can be really regular and clear in your communication, that's going to set a project up for success. When you kind of go quiet, well, oh, I haven't heard from, I haven't heard from X in ages. I don't know what's going on with my website. Well, ask, keep the, keep the flow going. Yeah. And, and that goes back to expectations as well, doesn't it? I mean, all of these kind of fitting in with each other. If you have that expectation that it's going to be delivered in a certain time and it's not, then you really do need to communicate that with your creative I really love though how you mentioned that the communication should be simple and constructive okay because I think sometimes we do get into that oh I just don't like it you know but what is it about it that you don't like and how does that actually relate to you know what you're trying to achieve with this actual creative project I think that we can kind of dip into that like you said non-constructive feedback where it just doesn't add to the value of the project whatsoever. Yeah. I, I often use the example of when I worked in, in corporate design mm. and as a design consultant going into a boardroom, we'd done months of work on a creative project. It was a rebrand for a big organization. And we went in and that was, it was the big day. We were creating, we were presenting the work and we went through it and we presented our rationale and it was well received. And then everybody went away and you know, high fives, loving it, loving it. And then a few days later, we got feedback that the CEO's wife didn't like that particular color. Wow. And that is that kind of really, I suppose, unconstructive feedback in a way, because A, is, is she the target audience? B, what's the rationale for that dislike? And how does that fit in with the reason we're doing the brief? So, but it's really common. And it's also why I kind of have to like clench my teeth when I see those posts on some of those big female business Facebook groups where they put up all their, um, I, my designer created these four options for me, which one do we like? And then it's what I call a beauty parade. Everybody just votes for their favorite, but who knows if they're your target audience or if they even understand what you're trying to achieve. And most often you just probably fall down and all four got a very similar number of votes because everybody's just arbitrarily subjectively voting. 
That's a hundred percent right. I love that tip. Do not crowdsource your branding. Do it. <laughs> Don't do it, people. Because, like you said, you just do not know whether these people are your target audience or not. So, I think that if you are going to crowdsource, if you feel like you really do need someone else's opinion or other people's opinion, make sure that you're very, very specific on who you are actually targeting, and really encourage only those types of people to actually answer which in itself is very difficult to do I know but if you're going to do it put those parameters around it because it really really does matter um, who your ideal client is and who your target audience is a hundred percent love that so um, in terms of the other C's then we've got communication everyone is creativity and I think this comes back to the that initial part of when you're choosing someone to work with so does creativity has many different manifestations. What someone else thinks is the right creative for them might not be right for someone else. But looking for proof in the pudding, if you like, and seeing that that creative has produced the work, has the skills that suit your needs is really important. So making sure there's that creative match. And that's not to say, well, they've always designed in pink and I really like pink, so they're definitely the designer for me. It's more, do they have the level of insight, And have they worked in industries that I think have a parallel? Have they created the kinds of results, the kinds of transformations that I'm looking for? So that creative creativity is very, very important. Yeah, great. Love it. And the last C? Well, there's actually two more Cs, Mel, if you can just bear it. (laughs) Sorry, didn't mean to cut your Cs off too too soon, Meg. (laughs) And we've talked about chemistry earlier on, but that chemistry is is really important. So so knowing that you're going to be able to stick this person, sometimes for what could be quite a long project, the rebrand is sometimes a 12-month project. So knowing that you're going to have that chemistry is really important, that you can work together. And it's not always going to be sunshine and roses and chocolates, but that you do have that connection, I think is really important. And then the final one, sorry, Mel, the final one of the is co-creation. And again, this is a key for me. There's nothing worse, I can imagine, as a business owner, that you hand over this, you brief someone on this project, you've got this need, and off they go. And three months later, they come back and they go, right, here's the solution. And you don't feel connected to that solution. You don't feel bought into it. And therefore, you're probably never going to really commit to it. Mm. So that sent that idea of co-creation in any creative process is really important, that it's iterative in the sense that both parties are involved all along the way that there are check-in points that you have the opportunity to input that you know that your perspective and your needs are being threaded into this creative solution because that means that you're going to be able to pick it up at the end because someone at the end of that project because when handover happens that's not the end of it you as the business owner have then got to take that forward you've got to start then living and using that brand you've got to be able to continue to build and grow that website and add value to it so if you don't feel really connected to it then that's not going to happen yeah a hundred percent so I feel like a lot of people do do that like they have that rebrand done or that website rebuilt but they don't actually feel like it's an extension of them they they feel like it's the website or the brand it's not about them so I really love how you think about the co-creation piece as being input from both sides so that the business owner can walk away and actually love love what's actually happened and 
and feel confident that they can actually use it as well because that's probably another thing that a lot of um, business owners don't feel is the confidence in how to actually use their creative so whether how, how to actually use their website how do they actually use their brands in a way that feels cohesive as well as feels like them as well yeah you've got to have that sense of ownership I think that's really important I think there's nothing worse as a business owner who's invested in creative to not feel like you've been part of the solution Mm. I think that almost undermines your role in the business Mm. so having that sense of ownership and having that sense that you've made a contribution to the process is is essential and I think every creative should welcome that because that's how you get to a great outcome yeah, beautiful. And I really love that framework as well, Beck, because it's something that we can take, like I've already said, take into other aspects of our business. So setting expectations, the planning, um, using the insights, the communication, the creativity, making sure that we, we're a match in terms of the chemistry as well as the co-creation. So I think as business owners, if we can not just I think sometimes we sit into that space where we blame the creatives because they didn't create something that they wanted. But if we really take that ownership of the various aspects of the relationship as well, then I think that that's going to have a really great um, outcome for both sides. Do you agree with that? Oh, 100%. For me, there's nothing more, I think, sad and such a waste of time and effort when I see business owners come to the end of a project and they kind of go, I never really got what I wanted. It, it, that wasn't the outcome I wanted, but they've, that, that conversation has never been had. They've mm-hmm. never said it. They've just sort of clawed their way to the end of this project. Mm-hmm. It gets to the point where they just want it done. They just want to be able to see the yes. back of it almost. <laughs> and that's really sad because they've invested money, which is to, to invest money and not get an outcome as a small business owner is a tragedy, mm. but they've also invested a lot of time and a lot of emotion into it. I think when it's a small business and it's yours and you care so much about it, the disappointment of not getting the outcome is, it can really set you off track. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And then when you have that disappointment, then you're less likely to actually want to use that thing that was created for you. So it's really great lessons to learn. So we've talked a lot about um, the process between the creative and business owner from a business owner's perspective, but I have a lot of like designers and um, graphic designers and copywriters within my audience. So let's just switch gears for a little bit and just focus on them. Um, But having said that, I know that your words of wisdom will be applicable to any business at all. But just in terms of the the creatives themselves, how can they also foster that relationship and make sure that they are, you know, taking on projects that they love, that they are making the money that they deserve as well? What can they kind of do to to make sure that they're picking and choosing the right projects? Yeah, look, I think that's it's a really important point, Mel, and I think we've all been there as creatives. I've definitely been there, where certainly in the beginning of your journey, all work is good work. Yes. And I think you get to the realisation, and, and I mean this for every type of creative, whether you're a copywriter, a web developer, a graphic designer, um, a social media manager, anyone who's producing creative or marketing outputs for a client, you definitely start, I think, in that phase of, or anything that comes my way, I'm going to do because I'm building my business. And I think there's a key transition where you start to realize that not all work is good work. Not all work is created (laughs) equal. Definitely not. But it's a lesson we have to learn, isn't it? Absolutely. And for me then, what that really ladders to is starting to be very mindful and intentional about who 
you're a good creative for and who you want to work with and starting to get that kind of clarity and having that clarity then leads you to to being able to say no sometimes to work sometimes that seems so counterintuitive it seems crazy why would I turn down work um for me, I think that's a key thing as a creative, because when you take it, we've all done it. You've taken on that project and you go, oh, I kind of knew it wasn't right. My gut was telling me it wasn't right. And I almost guarantee without exception, please DM me because I would love to know. But I think almost without exception, it didn't go well. There was a point in the project where you're kicking yourself. You shouldn't have done it. You kind of get the sense the client's not really loving it either. And maybe that is one of the projects where you kind of, mm. you know, you, you're doing, you're goleming to the end where you're just dragging yourself across the floor, kind of waiting for it to be over. <laughs> 100%. And it, and it doesn't have a good outcome for either party then, does it? No. And no. Because, you know, you're trying to claw to the end and the client's actually not getting what they want out of the, the relationship as well. And I feel like sometimes we get to a point in a relationship as well, where we feel the deterioration happening. And so therefore we don't put any effort into trying to maintain it or to improve it. And so the relationship just absolutely goes downhill and the project goes downhill with it. And in the end, it's kind of almost brand damage. Yeah, you've, you might have got a bit of cash in your, in your pocket, but it's damaging your brand and it's not helping the client either. Yeah, and you always find those projects are the ones that go on for the longest. <laughs> yes. They require the most investment of time and energy and emotional emotional energy and therefore they're not profitable as projects Mm. and that's a key thing you know creatives like all business owners need to be profitable they need to be able to make money so if you're doing lots of projects that don't serve you and are a a drain on your creativity and your time and your headspace then that's not going to be a good outcome no 100% not so how can creatives then learn to cultivate those really meaningful and stronger relationships with their clients and have that impact that they want on their business. So the, the cash in their pockets and the, the brand reputation, all of those things, how can they learn to foster those relationships better? For me, this is a key and it comes all boils down to one central thing, which is a mindset mindset shift for creatives. I did. I like, that's a tricky one to say. It's tricky. (laughs) I don't mind being a bit sweary, but an unintentional swear. (laughs) Mindset shifts, yes. Mindset shift is is from is going from seeing yourself as a creator. So seeing yourself as an outputter of creative stuff. So I write copy, I do design work, I build websites. Going from that to being a creative consultant. And that for me in my own journey was quite pivotal. I actually remember having a creative mentor when I worked in corporate who talked to me about what it is to be a creative consultant and what that means. And that really changed everything for me in how I approached my clients, how I approached the work that I did. And for me, what that is really about is going from seeing yourself as the delivering on a brief to seeing yourself as someone who is part of the process of creating a brief. You write the brief brief with the client, that you see yourself more as someone who's recommending and making strong recommendations than doing the, here's the three options, which one are you going to pick? 
Oh my goodness, so Becky, I love that. I love that mindset shift. That's so awesome that, yeah, instead of being the doer, you're part of the creation process. Yeah, you're, oh. you're the consultants. You're taking a much stronger stance with your client. And what that ultimately means is you're being more rigorous in the process. You're challenging more. So when a client gives you feedback, I think very often as a creator, we just take the feedback and then respond to it. How am I going to fix this problem? Instead of challenging back, seeing yourself in a role, which is what consultants do. Consultants just don't take it as read. They go, oh, hold on a sec, but what about this? And hold on, let's go back to the insight. And they see themselves as being able to challenge more. And I think what you'll very often find then is you do elicit a much more co-creative type of process with the client because you challenge them to think again and actually they'll go oh actually you're right yes I hadn't thought of that I'd forgotten that because I'd gone into subjective mode because I wasn't sure how to frame my feedback yeah no that's that's brilliant and I think that we can take that into all of the projects that we work with with our clients as well and just be make sure that we're open as well open because the moment the moment that we close off to suggestions or feedback is where um, the project is actually going to stagnate. So the more opportunities we can give ourselves and our clients to grow, the absolute better. I love it, Beck. Thank you so much. So many pearls of wisdom here. Now, before we wrap up today, I am all about women owning and using their superpowers. What do you think your superpower is, Beck? What's my superpower? Apart from being able to pick out the one only leopard print item in any clothing store. <laughs> I never knew this about you, Beck. I never knew that you were an animal print kind of woman. I heard about myself until I sort of went, oh, I can seem to have a lot of animal print in my wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But on a serious note, I think for me, my superpower is really about having some, having a very strong intuition about people and particularly working with people in a brand sense I think very often, I always say to people, when I work with you in, with your, in your brand strategy, I'm not making stuff up. You can't make stuff up about people's brand. It's unproductive because, again, it's not true, so they can't own it. But what I feel I have is a very strong intuition that sometimes they don't even necessarily see or feel comfortable to own themselves mm. about what their true value is. I feel like I can really pull that value out of people and show it to them and it, I think in almost every project I've ever worked on, there is that moment of, oh my goodness, I'm seeing myself for the first time and it feels good and I recognize myself, but I'd Yay. never thought of it that way. Yay. And that's such a beautiful superpower. And I would totally agree with that as well. You are so amazing at lifting other people up. And like you said, just showing them how they shine already and just kind of, you know, helping them put those little uh, bits and pieces put the animal print in there or <laughs> kind of sand the edges <laughs> to make sure that um, they really are shining I think that's just absolutely beautiful um, before we wrap up do you have any final um, you know words of wisdom I don't know if I've had any words of wisdom but I think I would come back to where we started with this which mm -hmm. is for me I believe that creativity is so powerful in business I really think it can make or break a brand when it's done well and I really encourage business owners to look at, not, not be discouraged or not be reluctant or nervous about investing in creative in their business. I think I've touched on it already that we're very reluctant to make that investment. And therefore we go, well, but can I can use Canva and I can go and use, you know, a free image library and I can put all this together myself. But I think you will always get 
that much better result by working with a creative. And I think you'll get that closer sense of self. You'll probably see yourself much better and get a better result when you bring in someone objective into the creative process rather than getting stuck in your own mind and trying to do it yourself. Definitely, I would encourage people to make that investment in their brand and in their business because it just makes a world of difference to how you show up for your ideal client and the content that you create as well. So thank you so much for sharing that. So where can people actually find out more about you, Beck? You can find me on my website, which I've recently given a little bit of spit and polish to myself. That's looking good. Thank you. Well, I must say I did. Here's the other little bit of wisdom, actually, which I forgot about. Always have great brand photos. I strongly recommend it because my brand photos that I recently have have really driven my a lot of my other creative in my business but you can find me on at beckhughes.com nice and simple that's my website and then on socials you can find me at beckhughes branding thank you so much beck for coming on the podcast today and sharing your wisdom with my listeners I truly appreciate you being here oh, thanks for having me Mel I've loved this chat thanks so much for listening that's it for another week to get more powerful content in your life, make sure you're following along on socials. My handle is at Meld Business. And just in case you're wondering, the groovy music for this podcast was created by Just Here on SoundCloud. I'd also be super grateful if you took a moment to rate and review this podcast so more amazing women like you can experience the power of content. And if you're like, hell Mel, stop talking. I'm ready to work with you now. Here's how we can work some powerful content magic together. Firstly, come and join the content effect, my membership inspiring women with service-based businesses to ditch the content chaos and start creating standout content that gets you noticed and makes sales. You can join us by using the link in the show notes or just Google the content effect. The second way we can work together is via my one-on-one packages. We can create a sustainable content strategy or start to build out your client journey. It's up to you. Pop on over to meldbusinessservices.com.au forward slash services to find out more. Until next time, have a beautiful week and embrace the power of your content.